You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Well, glory to God. I am most certainly not Pastor Mark. I hope he is having fun right now, resting, relaxing. I was just sharing with somebody right before service. He's one of the most hardest working men I've ever met in my life other than my own natural biological father. The guy can work sun up to sun down and uh, outwork most young folk under the table. So I hope he's having fun, him and Miss Pam relaxing, having a good time, getting some rest. He was grinding all hard, real hard last week, but uh, he's definitely going to be back, I promise. And uh, he called me up a couple of days ago and he asked me if I, if I would share and uh, said, of course, and, uh, and uh, you know, I always, I always want to check with him, well, what would you like to share on, boss, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I know the word and things like that, but, I, you know, I'm going to see what he has to say, and he said, why don't you share on your testimony and areas in the word of God that we're going to get into uh, concerning that, or the reason why I'm about to share with you what, what's, gone, what's gone on and what's transpired in mine and my wife's life for the last few years, that Pastor Mark's known me for a little over 26 years, okay? He knew me when I had hair, okay? When a comb meant something to me, okay? Now it's just a punchline to a joke if you hand me a comb, you know? But uh, no, he, uh, he knew me when... when you know, like I said, a little over 26 years ago, he seen me from the very beginning. I didn't get a driver's license till I was about, what, 23? Why? Because I didn't need a car. I was on the bus. I had uh, Fred Flintstone feet, transportation, you know, it was my feet. And uh, rode the bus, light rail. I come from Sacramento. I was, uh, I was living in the projects when he met me. And... Uh, I was living with the family, and, and they raised me up in, in the Lord, and they got to see the real dirty, dirty aspects of my life. They get to clean up and, and help me uh, grow up and, and train me for sure. And, uh, but he saw me from the very beginning, and he could testify, and he said, indeed, a notable miracle has been done among them. When you look at mine and my wife's life, and um, these are things that I don't take lightly. These are things that that I was taught what I'm about to share from, from a human being and man of God taught me these things. And then I grabbed a hold of them myself and I began to see, and this got ingrained and I began to study these things out and I had to walk these things out, these truths out and prove them out in my own life. And man, I'm here tonight to testify to exactly what God has done in, in mine and my wife's life. It's undeniable. It is an blunt force trauma fact and we have the substantive proof that, man, God's hand, his best and his provision, and God himself, his fingerprints are all up in our business, okay? I got to start back uh, several years ago, back in August 1st, 1994, uh, born again. So I, that's when I came to faith in Christ. Powerful. Shortly thereafter, not right after, but shortly thereafter, I got filled with the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking in the tongues. Powerful. From the very early on in the onset of my life, the, one of the very first things that I was taught, and this is the area we're going to get into, was the subject of money. Okay? I, I didn't grow up in church, and so I didn't have a lot of uh, religious aspects. I didn't have a lot of stuff that had to be uprooted. And, and that was fortunate. You know, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have to, I didn't have to uproot a bunch of junk and mess and, and religious thinking and things like that. But I still was, I knew where Genesis was in the Bible and I knew where the maps were in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I'd go to church and people start talking to me about the things of God, about the word of God and the glaze would just come over my eyes and I just nod my head and smiled. But if they asked me, I was, no, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> what do you think? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just listening. I'm trying to, you know, and I was, I was honest. I didn't know. But one of the first things that, I, that was taught to me was the subject of money, finances, honoring God specifically. Okay. What I'm about to share, I'm not bragging. Okay. I'm not bragging on me and my wife. 
okay, at all. But I nor do I apologize for what I'm about to get into, okay? I'm acutely aware <laughs> of whence I came, what's gone on in my life, pain, the weight of debt and lack. I didn't have a rescue plan. I know what it's like to be before a bankruptcy judge. I know what it's like to have to give a car back. I felt good about handing it over instead of them coming and taking it. I still had to give it back. But the sting of what it's like when you got more month at the end of the money, month after month after month, year after year after year, okay? I know what it's like to be out of a payday loan place. I know what it's like that when you got to go to get a car loan because your car just died and you got no other choice, what a 19% interest rate looks like. I know what it's like when you're around a job and everybody else is talking about vacations and your vacation is you get to go from the kitchen to the couch. That's your travel plan. I know what that's like. It's no bueno. <laughs> I know what it's like when my wife was several months pregnant and uh, we got into a studio bedroom apartment and all we had was a comfortable orange shag carpet that's a little bit softer than this floor right here. <laughs> Just a bit. And she's several months pregnant and you can't do nothing for her but cry with her while she endures it, you know, because pregnant women, the number one thing they want to get is the most comfortable position in their life. You know what I mean? They want to find that ultimate comfortable position. And I swear to you, I set my alarm to 8 o'clock. So when that thing goes off, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> oh, hey, welcome, everybody, on, that's watching by, you know, online. And I want to say hey to y'all. And uh, I, I, I promise, I knew you were there. I just, you know, just work with me. I'm a work in progress. But welcome. But, uh, you know, just to lay it all out there, because I don't mind talking about these things. At all. So I'm acutely aware of my situation. And yeah, I needed to, like I said, I was taught these truths that I'm going to get into. I was taught those, but I still had to believe what the Bible says in this area. Uh, I, I still had to walk by faith. And it, Titus 3, 5, for an example, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So no matter what I believed and grabbed a hold to, first of all, it's God's grace that divinely influences upon on our heart to even believe. In fact, we didn't have the capacity to believe to get born again. It was God's grace upon our heart that persuaded us to believe. Not only did he provide salvation, but he gave us the capability to actually believe it. Okay, same thing here. No difference here. So it was by his grace. And if it had not been for God himself and his words, I would not be standing here today. I would not be where I'm at in life today if it had not been the Lord. So I, I, I'm telling you, I give him all the glory. Okay. But I'm going to share something. I'm going to tell, I'm going to testify what he did and what he's done and what he's doing in our lives. Make your head spin. Made ours. Now, like I said, back in August 94, I was born again, shortly thereafter, filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, I began to be, and thank God, early on, I was taught about tithes, giving in this other area. It's called the first fruits. Now, I am not ignorant to the fact that there's been a lot of abuse, wrong teaching, fleecing, Straight up corruption in this area of money. And when you're talking, when you're behind this thing called a pulpit. Okay. I'm very well aware that there's been misuse, abuse, things like that. Okay. But there's still truth in God's word. And there's things concerning this area of money and finances that's still Bible truth. That still needs to be taught and still needs to be, you know, declared and decreed and obeyed. Okay. And this is, not, this is not a condemnation session. This is not a finger-pointing session. I'm not qualified, okay, to do that. 
All right? This is not a beatdown session. This is not going to be an arm twister. This is not going to be coercion, pressure, pushing, none of that. Okay? But again, like I said, we're going we're to talk about these things. All right? And again, these are things that I've personally seen, took hold of, and watched God do the miraculous in my life because I, I, it was, I did have a responsibility to adhere to these things. All righty. We do have to highly esteem the area of our finances in relationship to God and his kingdom as something holy and with great reverence and understanding that we're bringing, we're bringing God something that already belongs to him. This means it's something that already belongs to God. We need to deal with and submit ourselves to the divine order that God has set forth in his word first. The subject of first fruits is, is very commonly misunderstood. It's a very commonly misunderstood subject. First fruits in the area of finances, it usually is referred to as tithing. Okay. Also known as putting God first, meaning bringing God the first 10%. According to God's word, tithing and first fruits are not the same. They're not the same. And first fruits is not referring to, connected to, nor part of tithing. Now, these are things that I, this subject right here, I've shared with some of some folks in, in the church here, and I've talked to Pastor Mark before I've done that, and as I felt impressed to do so, this subject, I've talked about this subject, and we, in fact, we had a finance class over there, and I shared this, this subject right here, but, and I'm going to be going over some of the same information, but again, I'm going to tie the things that, that have, the things that we've proved out to that, so this, some, to some of y'all, you, this has been, you've heard me share on this before. But basically, it's, um, it's not referring to, connected to, nor part of tithing. Tithing is right. It's good. And it's 10% off the top. Off the top. That's what tithing is. When you tithe, you're doing just that. You're bringing the 10%, which, you know, it, it does belong to them. That's Malachi chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And I always share this when it comes to Malachi 3 and 9 and 10. We always go to those scriptures during offering time and things like that. But I, and I've shared this before. Also, Malachi 3, 9 and 10, when it's talking about tithes, is not in chapter 3, 9 and 10. That's not where he started talking about it. He started in chapter 1. And the first thing he said when he started dealing with the people's hearts and, and because their actions were, was, 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 a, uh, was a result of what was in their heart. And he was dealing with their heart so their actions would change. Okay? They would, they would produce a change. And we're talking about the old covenant. We're not even talking about by grace under the new covenant. And God was still good, still gracious. Although I wouldn't want to, I'd, I'd have been, I wouldn't have never made it out the Old Testament. I'd have been a dead man walking. I'd, I'd have been done. Oh, man. I should have been killed by post, post the law, man. I shouldn't have made it there. But Malachi, when he's talking about tithing, he taught, in chapter one, he talks about the first, the very first thing he said, I've loved you. That's how God's talking. He's talking to the priesthood. He said, I've loved you. He started talking about how they were treating him and specifically and how they were giving to him. What giving to him, bringing what belonged to him, how they were treating him. You, he said, you bring me the tore up sheep and, and the livestock as an offering, the, the maimed, the blind. You give me this junk. You make your houses look great and you got mine tore up. Treat your political officials like that and see how that works out for you. He said, I've loved you. He's delivered Israel time and time again. And he said, look, this is where we get to chapter three. Look, bring what belongs to me. He said, or he first said, look, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Just bring what belongs to me and see if I'll not. open." He does not have to negotiate anything. He says, see if I'm not bring open up the windows of heaven, windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there not being room enough to receive it. That's just, we're talking about tithing. There's two words in the Hebrew. Now I'm going to get nerd-like, okay? Two Hebrew words for the word first roots. Reshith is one. It means first, beginning, best, choice, the first in place, time, rank, order, uh, specifically a first fruit, okay? And who's speeding up the clock back there? Bikram. Is the other word. The first grain and first harvested was to be offered uh, to God in recognition of God's ownership. 
of the land, his sovereignty over nature. Bread of the first fruits was bread made of the first uh, harvest grain presented to God at Pentecost. That's Leviticus 23:20. or the day of first fruits was Pentecost. That's numbers 28:26. Uh, we don't need to, we don't need to go to those scriptures, but one is basically one is the first, the beginning, first in place, the best, the chief or principal part, and the other is the earliest ripe of the crop or tree. The Greek word for first fruits is a parquet, right? It denotes primarily an offering of the first fruits. And it's akin to the Greek word, uh, a parkomai. Let's say that fast five times. Or to make a beginning in sacrifice or to offer first fruits. Okay? In reference to things spiritual, when you're talking about the first fruits, the presence of the Holy Ghost with the believer as the first fruits of the full harvest of the cross. Okay? When you're talking about the first fruits from a spiritual aspect. All right. Romans 8.23 in the Amplified Classic, it says this. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, too, who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come, grown inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality in the grave, which we will reveal or our adoption, our, our, adoption, our, our manifestation as God's sons. Now, in order that we understand the subject of first fruits, we've got to go back to the or- origin of it. Okay. And it has everything. It started before the law, long before the law. In fact, I'm going to submit to you right now. It was in God's mind before the creation of the foundation of the world began. Okay, and I'll show you by the word of God. All throughout his word, we could see first fruits is very applicable to finances. However, the initial principle of first fruits was applied by God regarding our Lord Jesus Christ, which secured our redemption. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 21 says, uh, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb with ble- without blemish, without spot. Uh, verse 20, uh, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. In the New Living Translation. It says, and all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 uh, to, and 23. But the fact is that Christ, the Messiah, I'm sorry, in the Amplified Classic. But the fact is that Christ, the Messiah, has been raised from the dead and he becomes he became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep in death. But each in his own rank and turn, Christ, the Messiah, is the first fruits. Then those who are Christ's own uh, will be resurrected at his coming. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. In the good old King James English. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 in the New Living Translation. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, the thing is, is that Jesus was God's first fruits offering. He was offered on the principle of it. Okay. That God determined long before the world began. Jesus was not a tithe or a percentage. He was the first or firstborn among many brethren. Now, you'll see this principle concerning the area finances way back in the book of Genesis. Okay. Now, I realize there's, there's a lot of teaching around this subject. Small wars have been fought over this stuff. I get it. But I like to, I like to look at what the Word of God says. Okay? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 in the New Living Translation. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock, 
the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Now, it does say a portion of the firstborn. But let's take the chicken and the pig, and both of them are going to kind of contribute to breakfast. You don't get to take a chunk of the pig out, and the pig is still running around doing okay. No, you slaughter the pig. The pig's gone. You may take just the ribs or some of the bacon, but that pig is dead. Okay? He, you, you know, that pig is gone. Okay? So it says, uh, but, it was the, but get this. Verse 4 says, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he didn't accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Verse seven, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin sins crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must do it and be, a, be its master. Verse seven in the Amplified Classic says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. It's desires for you, but you must master it. The book of Hebrews also elaborates on what was offered in, and in what manner it was offered uh, concerning this, this specific Genesis encounter. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. In the King James. It says, by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet yet speaks. New Living Translation says, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. The Amplified Classic says, and though he's dead, though he died, yet through the, the incident, he is still speaking. It was not because Abel's offering was blood and Cain's was not. That had nothing whatsoever to do with it. Okay? Had nothing whatsoever to do with it. There was something very distinct about between Abel's offering and Cain's. I like to look at things a little bit, a little bit closer. Okay, so we knew that God told Cain, you did wrong, man. You missed it, right? I, looked at, I like to look out, how did, how did that come about? Sometimes you can find out when, when, when God is saying something in his word, he's actually answering a question about something over here. Okay? When he's yet talking about this over here. Okay? I'll explain what I just said right there. Um, basically, it says, by faith, Abel offered. What does that mean? His example of faith, right? But let's look, let's look a little bit closer to this. That word faith in the Greek is primarily a firm persuasion. It's a conviction based upon hearing. So if Hebrew is saying, and that Greek word is faith, and it has that definition, then he had to have been operating in that all the way back in Genesis, before the law, before Abraham came along. We're talking about the first, the first couple of kids in the earth. Okay? So it's a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing. Abel must have heard, have heard what to bring in order to be firmly persuaded to bring it. Had to. In fact, you're not, you're not in faith unless you're fully persuaded to act. There must have been a conviction based upon what he heard for him to act. Cain must have heard the same thing Abel did because he did not do what was right when he knew by instruction of what to bring. Otherwise, this was not an idea that just popped up in Abel's head, nor Cain, when they both brought their offerings. They had to have received instruction, command. The difference between their offerings was Abel brought the first in obedience and in full persuasion by what God had said. Again, who told Cain and Abel to bring the first? The principle of first fruits was in the mind of God long before the world began, as scriptures 1 Peter 1.20 and Revelation 13.8. They had to have received instruction from God for the following to occur. Be convicted by what they heard and know what was right. Otherwise, God would not have rejected Cain's offering and let him know that he did not comply or do what he knew to do. Hebrews 11.6 says, 
and without and it is impossible or it is impossible to please God without faith. And you actually cannot separate faith and obedience. You can't do it. They're one and the same. And and for the most part, I mean, you could be willing, but, you know, you have to be willing and obedient or you could be obedient, but not willing. The rebellion that shows up in the young folks, they tell you that they'll do what they say, you know, they'll tell they're biding their time. <laughs> I can testify that. You know, I'm talking about me when I was younger and then, you know. See, the thing about faith is supposed to prompt, inspire, and provoke obedience and or action as the result of hearing God's spoken or written word. Faith is supposed to prompt, inspire, and provoke obedience. God never intended you to do what he said for him to do without you being in that place called faith. Faith is a location. Now, there's doctrine on it. There's teaching on it, but faith is a location. It's a place. He never intended you to do what he said to do without being in this place called faith. He never told us to figure stuff out. He never told us how to. In fact, when we preach the gospel, we're not to figure out how things are going to go down to the sense like, well, you know, uh, you know, God would have been nice to, you know, you know, when I went over there and prayed for that woman and, you know, it led to that, that she would have got up out the wheelchair. You know, this one guy was talking about it. He said, man, it seemed like nothing happened. He said, man, I wish I would. That would happen. He said, but like seven minutes later, she got up out that wheelchair. He just told us to believe he'll partner with us and do. But why? Because we're believing we're acting upon what we've been persuaded by. And this whole this everything that has to do with giving and bringing what God belongs to him is supposed to be done in faith. God is not trying to take anything from anybody. Coerce. He doesn't have a gun to people's head. He, he wants pure, unadulterated faith, believing. And Smith Wigglesworth, and we all quote this, he'll pass over a million miles to get to that one person in faith. Faith is the currency. Man, there is nothing like being persuaded by what God said. Oh, man, you start living life. And the Bible says that we're to look at the things that are not seen. The things that are not seen are uh, the things that are seen are made by the things that are not seen. His word is real in all realms. His word created and fashioned the things that we see. God will always, 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 always do what he said he would do. He will always do what he said he will do. God will always do what he said he would do. God will do, he will always do what he said he would do. He's not trying to get something from you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. He create by the words of his mouth, sustains the entire universe. God will do what he said he would do. The things that you're looking at. You don't when you when you have a negative when, when you when you have to get tests done and this and that and the other you don't believe God for the result on a certain test you believe God by based on what He said by His stripes I'm healed I don't care what a test result says I don't care if it comes back and says this what did God say what did God provide in the redemptive work of Christ now we could talk about the shake rattling rolling and the fear and all that stuff all that stuff that comes along with it but what did God say. He said some things about our finances that are already his. (laughs) When we hear what belongs to him, 
This must be done from a heart of in a place called faith. It's ultimately about it's ultimately about pleasing and being pleasing to God. Ephesians 6:17. Good Lord, I got 15 minutes left. Let's see if I can get to some juicy stuff. Hold on. Ephesians 6.17 says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That word, word, it denotes the, that which is spoken, which is uttered in speech or writing. Here, the reference is not, it, it's not the whole Bible as such. Okay. When he's talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's not necessarily referring to the whole totality of the Bible. Okay. What it's actually referring to is, but the individual scripture, which the Holy Ghost brings to your remembrance at that time, he quickens it, brings it alive. Whether you're reading his word or you're in a situation and the spirit of God brings a scripture and it comes up, there's power. Why? Because it's a spoken word of God. It's the written. God's word was spoken so it could be written so it could be spoken. But to the individual scripture, which the Holy Ghost brings to our remembrance for the use in time of need, a prerequisite being the regular storing of the mind with scripture. In other words, when you're constantly feeding on God's word, that's going to come up later. Pastor Mark, he shared on that story about that young lady, heard one scripture in one sermon and one when she was taken there. And then she one one service, one one service. She heard one scripture. And that seed got down on the inside of her heart, the seed, the, the soil of her heart. And she got crazy when she got older. She was going to take her life. He shared on this many times. And then one scripture came back up and produced a harvest. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And I pray that God, the source of hope, fill you with, uh, fill you or will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that again. I pray that God, this is Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The source of hope, he is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in him. So there's going to be some evidence when you're trusting him. That when you actually do trust him, that joy and peace follow when you trust. Man, Gary Batt shared on something a long time ago. I believe it was Gary Batt when he said, when he gave the picture of Jesus was asleep on the boat during the storm. He said the reason why the Spirit of God told him, he shared with him, he said the reason why that was because the storm was on that side. The storm wasn't in him. When you're trusting God, joy and peace, and I've had to step out, especially in this area. Like I said, I'm going to share some things. Believe God with me. But uh, that I, I, I stepped out and I was like, I got to obey God. I'm a little hard headed, meathead. And things that the spirit of God deals with me, works on me with repetition and intensity. <laughs> it gets a little bit hotter and a little bit more, more uh, assertive. Okay, but he's good to me. Kept folks from killing me. But the area of first fruits, you can see this in Exodus with the children of Israel. Exodus chapter four, verses 21 through 23. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders or miracles which I have put in your hand. Because I will harden his heart and make him stubborn so they will not uh, let the people go. Verse 22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let me uh, let him go, behold, I'll kill your son, your firstborn. God ain't playing. Several chapters, Moses is telling Pharaoh, the Lord said, let my people go that they may serve me. He said, <laughs> In verse 23, he said, if you refuse to let him go, behold, I'll kill your son, your firstborn. 
I didn't say that. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, uh, uh, verses 1, says, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. And as he goes on further, he says, uh, verse, drop down to verse 6, or, yeah, verse 6, it says, take special care of the chosen animal until the evening and the 14th day of, his fir- of, the first mo- of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or a uh, young goat at twilight. And it said, take some blood and smear it on the sides of the, and, and top of the door frames and the houses that, and that where, they eat the, uh, where they eat the animal. Verse 8. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat, eat along with bare salad greens and uh, bread made without, without yeast. Basically, this is talking about the Passover. Okay. And then uh, verse 12, it says, on that night, I'll pass over the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male uh, animal in the land of Egypt. I'll execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Verse 13, put the blood on your doorpost, uh, put the blood or but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. This plague, uh, this plague of death will not uh, touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And he talks about this as a day to remember. And we know that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Jeremiah talks about this. Jeremiah chapter 2. And the word of the Lord, uh, verses 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah saying, Go in, go and cry in the, in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the, uh, says the Lord, <clears throat> I earnestly remember the kindness and devotion of your youth, your love after uh, your betrothal in Egypt and marriage at Sinai, when you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holiness. Something set apart from ordinary purposes, dedicated to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest, of which no stranger was allowed to partake. All who ate of it or injured Israel, offended and became guilty, or evil, evil came upon them, says the Lord. And then Exodus twenty three nineteen it says, The first of the first fruits of your ground shall you bring in the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a kid in this mother's milk. It's talking about the first, uh, the first of the first fruits. In other words, when the harvest came in, the very first of that fruit belonged was an offering unto the Lord. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through, uh, 1 through 2, it saw, talks about Jericho. Um, and in verse 2, it says, uh, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho, its king and mighty men, valor into your hands. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house spared, for she protected our, our spies. And it says, do not, verse 18, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything, verse 19, everything made from silver, gold, and bronze or or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. This This was to be the case as Jericho was Israel's first city they took. Okay. There's other, and then we got Proverbs chapter uh, three, verse nine and ten. Honor the Lord with the substance and w- uh, that which is tithing, and the, with the first fruits of all thine increase. And it says in verse ten, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses have burst out with new wine. Now let me get to where the juicy stuff is. What what's happening in this right here? Twenty. The uh, first time when I heard about this, the, this area of first fruits and tithing and things like that, but specifically first fruits. I didn't have a job. This is back in the, uh, this, again, this was taught to me. This is back in the mid, early to mid nineties. Okay. And I heard about this and I got excited. I was like, wow, I need a job. And I I pointed my finger up at God, not at God, shaking my finger, but I said, God, you get me a job. And what I'm going to bring the first check paycheck that, that, that I get paid. I'm going to bring every dime to you. Find out what I'm about. Try me out. Give me the first, you give me the job, this job, because I went from nothing to, to a job. I was broke. If I was broke, I would have had more. Okay? I had to crawl up just to get to the bottom. First job was 490, or first, first paycheck. I got a job, and I haven't been unemployed since, unless I chose to be. or $96.05, I believe that check was. I couldn't wait to get off work. I ran to the bank, got down there as fast as I could, cashed that sucker, and I was shaking every, (laughs) handing over every, you might as well, I might as well have 40,000 in my hand. But every dime on that first check, the whole thing went to God. Handed over. 
Couldn't wait to get to the house of God, to the man of God. Say, hey, man, hold your hand up. Bam, bam, bam. I don't care what happened to that money after that. I honored him. I kept my word. I, he, told, he did this for me. Okay? That was a job back then. And like I said, I haven't been unemployed since unless I chose to. Now, things have transpired. I've messed up, done things, but God has still been good. Back in 2016, this area, the subject came and quickened to me again. Word came by about the subject of first fruits. This time, wasn't the same. The Lord was dealing with me strongly. We were broke. I knew we needed every dime. I told my wife with little notice, I said, first check in January 2017. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my first check in the, in, in the year of 2017. Every dime is coming. Bring it in here. And man, I took the day off. I requested time. I felt sick. I was like, there better be a God. I was like, man. But I came here during the day. I went and got a few money orders. By this time, increase and amazing things that happened. But I brought the money orders and nobody was here at the time. But it was just me. I came into the main sanctuary. Filled out the envelope, came to the main sanctuary, and began to. I have a confession that I declare over there, and and, um, and I begin to. The power of God came on me. It's right here. It's about maybe. Well, I can't move. The camera guy said I can't go anywhere. But I was like right, right around. I think right around here. And the power of God came on me. Literally, began to shake during an offering. Spoke to this, and I had his word to back this up. These are the truths that I've stand on, that the first belongs to him. Tithing, it already belongs to him. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, oh, man, this, is, this and thus and so is going to happen. I didn't know nothing. All I know is I heard from heaven. I heard from heaven, and I said, I got to do this. I'm, not, I'm in a job and in a position in places I should not be in. I'm working for in a multi-billion dollar corporation. I got a GED. Okay, and I'm an analyst. Where everybody else around me has are highly educated. Okay, everybody, they went to college. I went to continuation school. And I'm like, I, I own everything. And this kept coming out, and I was like, wow, okay. So I, I did that. I brought it to the Lord. I'm so happy. And this is scary. I felt sick. Like I said, <laughs> I took the day off. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> my wife's looking at me, but she's been, she, my wife is awesome. She said, look, I don't, I don't know everything like you do. You know what I mean? She was, she was scared. She was like, well, she said, but I'll support you. Do it. She was behind me, helping me. And uh, I did that. That was in uh, going into January 2017. A few months later, I get a mid-year increase on my salary. Out of nowhere. Bam. Glory to God. This is what I did with that increase. Every dime of that increase that it showed up on the check, the first check it showed up on, skimmed that off the top and gave every dime of that increase to God and then tithed off the rest of my check because the first belongs to him. He caused that increase. He's got to be the first partaker of that. He gets to it's his. Skimmed it off the top. And then tithed off the rest. Then these people, excuse me, sorry. Then these people, these, these, other, these other folks in this other department, I got headhunted. They had an opening. I didn't know nothing about this team. They started putting a bug in the air. said, you need to hire this guy. You need to hire this guy. You need to hire him. Talk about me. You need to hire Brian McFarland. You need to hire Brian McFarland. They had other people applying. Things didn't work out. You need to hire Brian McFarland. And they come coming at me. You need to apply. You need to apply. You need to be over here. This and that and the other. I didn't know what that meant. Found out later. The hiring manager reaches out to me and says, hey, people keep telling me your name's flying around all over here. They said I need to talk to you. So I need to, I need to find out why they're telling me this. 
and we had a conversation. Man, when I got, oh, that means I got to shut up. Oh, man. Bottom line is, see, I need help. Bottom line is, what ended up happening is the, I got a promotion that they bolted the doors open, bolted them open. Then all I had to do is simply walk through. It put me on a, a pay grade scale that launched me in a whole nother tax bracket. When I, when I told them, when I left the team I was going from, they gave me, because uh, it was right around review time, they gave me the best, the best at leaving the department, and she negotiated for $5,000 more on my salary coming into the new. And I got a raise from going into that position and put on a higher pay grade scale. When I look back from the end of 2016 after I brought the first all the way to 2018, I increased $11,000 in 13 months in my salary. $11,000. And then my, you heard my wife share the testimony about what happened to her job. We've grinded all these years, and now she's working from home. <laughs> she can work from a deck, propped up with a laptop. But see, when she, when, no, not everybody was there. When she was walking two, three miles to drop our son off to the babysitter to walk several miles to get to bed and breakfast to run up and downstairs and serve food and clean floors and all that other stuff when we both didn't have a car and we had miles to get to and from work on our feet. We got two paid for automobiles. We got the titles to both. God, <laughs> my name was sorry on paper. Nobody wanted no financial. T- I couldn't get dish TV. Okay. My credit was sorry. But by the time we went to go get this thing called a house, my credit score was like astronomically high. Now, I'm not proud of a I love debt score. I'm not, I'm not touting that, okay? But he made my name good on paper. He made my name good. February this year, we moved into over a 2,000 square foot house. A deal that when we started looking, we, see us in the house, we started out in the projects. She came and moved into the little room I was at in the back of the projects. She came and moved in, my wife did. And now she was crazy enough to stay with me. <laughs> but God cleaned us up spiritually and then cleaned us up and made our names solid naturally. Blessed us beyond, we made more money in, in from 2020, the craziest time, more money all the way in the, from now than we've ever made in our lives. We brought money into the kingdom of God that we were like, are you kidding me? I'm bringing more in now than what used to be my annual salary at the jobs I used to work at. And again, I said, I'm not bragging. I gave that disclosure from the beginning, okay? But God took somebody like me. Somebody like me. And brought us to this place. So... I mean, you guys could do your own thinking and all that, but this area of first fruits and tithing, I did it this past year also, 2022, first check in January. That was before this house came. From the time we, we just said, hey, let's just see what, what we could do. Let's just see what, what we qualify for. Let's just see. I couldn't believe, my, I fell on the floor when I found out how much money they wanted to give us. It's like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? From the time that we just saw to three weeks, we were closed and getting ready and moving in the house. We picked our day that we wanted to go in the house. Ready, moving, made, ready, made, moving house. Nicest thing we've ever had. I got a deck, a wraparound deck. Overseas, uh, the, the whole town that we live in, it looks like the hillside of L.A. at night. Are you kidding me? I was in the projects, man, where they were, you know, in, in hoods where they were shooting up your car, breaking into your car. You know what I mean? Doing home invasions, all kind of other fun stuff. And God did this. So, like I said, praise God. Did y'all get anything tonight? I did my best to time that right, but if I didn't tell y'all what, was, what went down, all that, 
it would have been a disservice, big time. All right, well, uh, I know uh, Marilyn's going to have some things to share about the community action team here in a moment, but it looks like we're all family in here. How many, everybody in here born again, love Jesus? Your life is right with God? All right, looks like everybody, that's what I thought. People by camera, I know we talked about the area of finances and things like that, but the most important first step before anything and everything is to have your life right with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to go. And it's because I got my life right with God, then God be able, began to deal with, me thing, deal with me about things concerning him. Okay, but the first thing that happened to me is I had to get right with him. And the only way to get right with him is through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If your life is not right with God, you know you're not right with him. Okay, we can pray right now, all right? And then uh, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer because I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I'm, I'm talking about the folks that are watching right now. But I, if, you know, we're all family, it looks like we all, we all acknowledge that. But some of y'all might not be family, might not be born again. But this is your chance. See, the, all the giving and receiving blessings don't mean a thing if you don't have Jesus. Okay? So if, if it's okay with you guys, just a little bit longer, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and pray. And uh, lead, if you're not right with God, here's the time. All right? Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now, and I confess, and I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior, because I believe with all my heart that you sent Jesus down here to die for me. He was on that cross in my place. He took what I had coming. And I believe with all my heart that you raised him from the dead. And he's alive right now. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Right now, I'm saved. You're my God. And more importantly, my Father. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen.